You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. Hello, welcome to the Talking Taiwan podcast. This is Felicia Lin. And today our special guest is Brian Yang, who is the producer of Lin Sanity, the movie. Um, I'm sure anyone in New York is familiar with the story of Jeremy Lin, who was uh, playing for the Knicks. And, um, you know, th when the story happened last year, February 2012, it was such a big deal. And uh, I think it was especially punctuated by the situation between Time Warner Cable and MSG. They were in this huge negotiations. There was like a 48-hour um, blackout. And people were in a huge uproar because Lynn Sandy was going on, they couldn't watch the Knicks. Um, and a lot of people say that Lynn Sandy is kind of what brought them to the um, table. So I'm really excited to have Brian on our podcast. Um, welcome, Brian. Hi, Felicia. Great to be here. Great. So um, you've been touring around, like, um, talking, um, promoting Lynn Sandy. And I understand you recently came back from Taiwan. Is that right? That's right. Uh, we opened uh, in Taiwan on October 10th, actually double 10 day. Ah, yes. Kind of strategic. That along with the fact that Jeremy was in Taipei again as the Houston Rockets, his current team, played a, an exhibition game uh, there on the 13th. So we decided to release the film kind of in between all of this stuff that was happening in Taiwan that we thought would be uh, extra buzzy. Yes. So. Yeah. Excellent. Wow. That's that's such great marketing. I see how that all works. Um, so, what was the reception like? Uh, well, in Taiwan, so we had a, um, a premiere event. Um, actually, it was kind of funny. Premieres typically mean it's before it opens publicly, but I guess this would be more called a special event because we had to open or we had to hold it on Saturday the third or the twelfth, um, since Jeremy was in the Philippines. The, a few days before, uh, as this team had a game there in Manila. So, but but this premiere quote unquote event was uh, really great. You know, I think it was a fire hazard. That was, oh wow, so packed, the, huh? The room and and all the people and and uh, cameras and media that were in there. So it was great. A lot of um, officials and embassy folks, and you know, just a lot of who's who of, of Taiwan uh, really wanted to get a. Uh, a glimpse of the movie and obviously Jeremy himself who came by afterwards for a Q&A session. So uh, all in all, I think it was received really well there. And then it's reflected since um, in the box office as people have been going out to see the movie. And it's available all over Taiwan, not, not just in Taipei. It's opened up in Kaohsiung, in Tainan, and uh, you know anywhere in the island, uh, uh, the country of Taiwan. It's it's been uh, It's been out and it's going well. And and uh, we're really excited about it. Oh, that's great. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, and I noticed that um, when I went to the Lin Sanity, the movie website, that it says that it was an official selection of the Sundance Film Festival. That's quite impressive. Like, what does that mean to be an official selection? Well, uh, you know, yeah, we, we world premiered the film at Sundance in January of this year. And, you know, I guess that means your <laughs> your film is... Is, uh, is one of the top films of the year. Uh, Sundance is a very uh, selective um, festival, and you know, to get picked is really a, a truly an honor um, and, and, and you know, an accolade that we don't, we don't wear lightly. You know, we've been very proud of it. Uh, obviously very lucky 
Uh, a lot of things fell into place, a lot of hard work behind that. Um, but just giving us the opportunity to premiere at a place where a lot of cinephiles and also uh, distributors uh, go at the start of every year to look at what's playing, you know, what independent films are the cream of the crop and and get, uh, you know, and from there, business deals are, are you know, are, are flying all over the place. People are, are acquiring titles and negotiating. And it's kind of a market, basically, is what it, it creates because it's the start of the year and, and these acquisitions folks and these sales folks, that's where they... They do a lot of their um, their uh, the business, uh, you know, especially at the beginning of the year again. So, so we had that opportunity. We had a great response from our initial world premiere audience. A lot of the trades wrote some great things about the film, and you know, it was really interesting because it was nerve wracking to to screen it there because. <laughs> Yeah, I there's, can't even imagine. Yeah, there's so many decision makers and, and people of influence there. And, and this is the first time you show it to people like that. And, you know, you think you've done a great job of the film because you're married to it. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, you can't see past your own desk because you're just engulfed in this world. But, but having it go there and sort of cutting the cord was really an experience that, you know, it worked out for us. Everyone loved it. And, you know, again, we're thankful for that. So, so that kickstarted our tumultuous uh, year, our crazy year, <laughs> year, which we're still actually uh, on the ride right now. Um, but that was uh, that was a Sundance experience. Wow, thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate you making time to be on the podcast. Um, so where did this whole idea for the documentary come from? Because I understand that this was actually started before there was even this word, Linsanity. Yeah, uh, Jeremy, you know, was he was making a lot of headlines, even as a high school player, and then certainly in college at Harvard. Uh, and for a lot of, especially, I would say, Asian American uh, hoop heads, as we call it. <laughs> right. uh, we we took notice. You know, his story was not something that was came out of nowhere. To to you know, I would say I always say it's like an initial cult following of people who were like, oh, Jeremy Lin. You know, he's he's one state player of the year. He's potentially an NBA prospect, and all those things are are very seldomly seen. And so. Uh, as filmmakers who happen to be hoop heads, uh, Chris Chen, my producing partner, and myself, we put our heads together. We had both independently been kind of tracking his story since high school. And then uh, when he, when Jeremy was in college, poised to make a run for the NBA, that's when we decided to uh, put together, uh, you know, we brought in Evan Jackson Leong, the director early on. We put together the, the concept of what was supposed to be a web series, uh, simply you know, called the Untitled Jeremy Lin Project. We had no idea what we were going to do with it. And it was just going to be documenting his journey from, you know, humble beginnings of high school and college into the NBA, if he made it. And that was it. And our ending was going to be, you know, here you have this, you know, Asian-American kid who makes the NBA. And, and how often do you ever see that? Never. So that in and of itself was a story that we had to pursue. Yeah, I mean, you just you had the foresight to see, you know, something was happening there. It's, it's amazing. So what were some of the main challenges in getting the film made? Um, I did a little bit of research, and I 
found out that you actually ran a Kickstarter campaign to raise money to have the film made. Can you talk a little bit about that and what it and the other things that were required to make this film happen? Well, when we started it as the web series project, we had uh, raised an initial round of seed financing from some angel investors. So it was actually it was a shoestring budget. You know, again, at that point, it was something born of passion and and the initial contributors were, were just people who were very passionate about his story as well and wanted to kick in some money. I think the real challenges started to come about once Linsanity broke out. You know, our initial challenges pre-Linsanity were, I would say, did we have a story? Did we have an audience? Uh, if Jeremy didn't wind up making the NBA, what were we going to do with our footage? You know, did we, was it yeah. something, was it even worth putting together? And we realized that risk was there, that it might not be, and that we would just be simply left with some home video, you know, that we could share with ourselves and our families years uh-huh. ago. Then when Linsanity broke out, wow, then then the challenges just grew by leaps and bounds. We, we I, I mean, I don't know where even to begin. I mean, certainly financing was an issue because the budget started to escalate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you suddenly have a lot more mouths to feed. Uh-huh. Uh, licensing of footage that belongs to other media outlets, you know, becomes a concern or something you have to deal with, you know, just the bigger, the scope of the whole project became much bigger. We were suddenly shooting things in, in China, you know, in Hong Kong. Right. Right. Wow. And and trying to get people who were in this state or this place, whereas before was much more contained. So then because of that, your, yes, your budget goes up and then, and then suddenly you have a whole a lot more people that are interested in you and in, in offering you this, this or that or uh-huh. you know like distribution companies like I said at Sundance going through rounds of conversations with with different uh, potential partners and so I mean these are all certainly good problems to have and <laughs> right to say I'm absolutely um, but but yeah it suddenly became a whole lot bigger so uh, along with the high profile comes a lot more. Uh, you know, a lot more things you just have to tackle and deal with. And you just do it, you know, one at a time. I mean, you start losing your hair and, and, and you know, losing sleep, but that's just, <laughs> that's part of the uh, process of, of making a film. So, sure. so we, we happily accepted it. Sure. And so what about the Kickstarter campaign? How did that factor in? Uh, well, so, yeah, we wound up uh, running a Kickstarter campaign. It was really uh, twofold in, in purpose. Initially, yeah, the money is important and it's great to crowdsource uh, funding from, you know, really interested fan base of people who want to support it and see it come to life. But what's equally important was the social media aspect of everything. I mean, everything we're doing even to this day right now in marketing the film, now that it's out in theaters, is, hey, you know, share this with as many people as you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, you name it, right? Right, yeah, absolutely. these tools to to get the word out and so your initial kickstarter base of people who contribute are also your initial social media marketeers and it's worked out great we've seen those i I lost count how many people contributed but it was you know in the hundreds if not thousands of of people they turn around and say hey look i supported linsanity the film check it out or you should support it too and so when our movie came out, they were the first, you know, people that we told, and and because they have built this so so called like a, more of a special relationship, or an early stage uh, relationship, if you will, and and they are then uh, more poised to 
to go out to their you know constituency or their 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 own network of people to to share what's happening. So when you're a small independent film or project in general, you need to have those people be your marketing team and that in and of itself is equally valuable if not more than the actual money that comes in you know so it's twofold really and you know i think it's very easy to just think i need the money and then you lose sight of the fact that these people are actually you know able to also share to their 10 hundred thousands of friends themselves and then that that then drives you know more eyeballs back to you so so kickstarter you know worked out great for us and uh, I, I definitely condone using it for, for other projects. You know, I've seen other projects use it and just get the money and like forget their, their fan base. Yeah. That. Right. That's just that's such an awful thing. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're obviously collecting five, 10 bucks from each person. So it's not, they're not investors, but you really want to make them invested in the right. project more ways than just, Hey, give me your money and, and I'm just going to make a great project. Thanks. You know, so we, we met the Kickstarter um, founder, met Perry at a screening in New York earlier this year and just, you know, uh, he, he'd been tracking our project because it was one of the more interesting ones he thought of the year. And, you know, we, we were very grateful and, and, and you know, just uh, congratulated him on coming up with such a brilliant concept <laughs> that helps uh, independent filmmakers and other, other projects uh, getting off the ground. I think it's, it's really great. It worked out for us. And if it's used the right way, I think it's, it's a, it's a really powerful tool. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really amazing because you guys like, you know, far exceeded your goal. I mean, but was there any point in time during the campaign that you guys were, you know, thinking, Oh, it's kind of going slow. Are we going to make it or. Um, I think, you know, yeah, obviously we're, we're watching with great interest, like what's happening. It's like, it's like watching a ticker and, you know, countdown and, uh, you know, there's no question about it. Uh, they warn you when, before you start it and and then when you go through it, you see it exactly as they say, it's going, Kickstarter works if people there, you'll have your initial rush of people and then there's a huge lull in the middle. And then at the end, when you have a deadline and you start start you know sending out smoke signals and saying hey guys it's 911 and there's a huge onslaught of people and and it, it certainly followed that path you know i think what was really interesting for us was uh kickstarter is a very american platform right uh, but they do accept contributions from international uh, areas uh-huh. i just don't think a lot of people do that or use it or even know mm-hmm. um but we thought, well, what if we got this in front of Taiwan people, you know, because they're so avid about Jeremy Lin. So we translated our, our Kickstarter uh, um, message and, and put it out there and started having friends in Taiwan send it around. You know, one of the local news stations ran, ran a piece about the Kickstarter campaign in America, and we started seeing uh, NT coming in, you know. Yeah, like, amazing. Yeah, I probably... You know, I have to ask Perry, the, the CEO of Kickstarter, but arguably maybe the most successful Taiwanese Kickstarter campaign ever. Yeah. Maybe the only one ever. Because a lot of folks out there were like, what is this thing? How, how does it work? We got so many questions from, from Taiwanese <laughs> fans who had no idea. They'd never seen this. So like, we, we just know we want to help, but I don't understand yeah. how. So 
it was an education process, but uh, but it but it worked out. Amazing, amazing, and um, also from what I understand, you initially didn't have the consent of Jeremy Lin because you started this project first with this idea, and then later you approached him, and how and how did you convince him to allow you to do the film? Yeah, so initially. Jeremy was um, barely, you know, he still is shy and conservative and just not really a spotlight seeker. So when we approached him while he was still at Harvard, he, you know, he basically looked at us like we had two heads. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Why, yeah. why would you put a camera crew on me? I'm, I'm a, you know, at the time, gosh, what, 19, 20 year old kid who, who's just trying to play basketball. And, yeah. And it, it took some convincing. It didn't. He didn't say yes right away. He also, you know, he's like, oh, "Let me think about it. It's just not a good time. I'm mm-hmm. trying to grab, You know, I also have to talk to my family and my team and all. Right. You know, all this. He's just so. <laughs> it's so very considerate. Of, yeah. No. Exactly. So. So it wasn't until he got into the NBA when he was at Golden State where he, he actually granted us. You know, I think he talked it over with his family. His family got comfortable with us. Uh, Alan Liu, one of our other producing partners, um, who happens to be Jeremy's cousin, is also was also you know, he he met with us and, and started to uh, really understand the, the 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 mission of what we were trying to do and, and getting comfortable with us. So so I think it, it was just a, a process and, and and building the relationship. And we stuck around, and you know, luckily he wound up saying yes, and and, and then. You know, even then, it was like no guarantee, like I said earlier, of, of a project because at that stage, that if if Jeremy say didn't wind up staying in the NBA, which was which was actually a real potential way that it, his career was going, um, we might have had to stop filming and, and and it would have never saw the light of day. So, but we started going while he was a Golden State Warrior, and then we just we just kept filming, and, and it just uh, one thing led to another. We go with him to Golden State, to Houston, to to uh, New York, and then, you know, and then I guess the rest is history. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, what for you was the most um, surprising or memorable thing about this whole project? I think surprising and memorable are, I guess, two different things. That the the first thing I'll say is about being memorable I think when I walk away from this or even as we're you know we're still knee deep into it right now we're, we're new cities are, are opening up right now as we speak uh, in terms of being distributed new regions you know from a foreign standpoint are picking the film up so we're a film is never really done but but now that the production of it is over at least and and uh, we're more removed from that side of things it's just the the relationships that were built between the filmmakers, between Jeremy, the family. I mean, I think we're all, we all consider each other, you know, family now, whether mm-hmm. good or bad, because <laughs> sometimes, you know, you, you butt heads with your family, right? Yeah. Love them or hate them. They're your family. And, and it feels like we've gone through a bit of a, you know, uh, I don't want to say war, but you know, we, we had our battles and we're all the better for it. And mm-hmm. so, I hope that once this project is really far and over, that we're all we all still remain friends, and and that we we can you know, look back on this experience as a as a really rewarding one. And, and and I know you know Jeremy has felt that way already because you know one of the main reasons he wanted to do it was to share his own message about his faith and, yeah. and his journey of getting mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. 
So that was important to him. So I think he's really um, happy with the result and, and glad that he partook. And so, you know, and, and I would say, gosh, the most surprising thing, I, I mean, the uh, most obvious thing is, is the fact that I'm sitting here talking to you about it. You know, <laughs> you know when, when this was a web series, there was no one was going to pay us any attention. It was, it was going to be a, a small project that would be for his most ardent fans. And we would have it online and just be begging people to click on it to go watch. And there was no ideas of like monetizing it or anything like that. It was just really to show a, a, a neat story about an, an individual that was doing very unique things. And so now the fact that I just, you know, got back from Taiwan and I'm flying to uh, the East Coast tomorrow from LA to do more screenings and, and, uh, you know, new cities keep popping up and, you know, there, there's all these things that need to be done or it's just, it's just a, it's just a blessing. And we, you know, I, I don't think any of us saw this coming by any means. Uh, and, and it's been a really interesting, uh, you know, I've worked in film for a long time, but this project more than any other has really opened my eyes to a lot of different things about the process in terms of putting together a film like this. So I've gotten a real, you know, I call it like a real life film MBA, if you mm, will, right. business side of, of everything. So, uh, which is good. You know, that's, uh, you got to learn, learn by doing. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I mean, it just really struck me, you saying that um, you didn't know how it was going to end. And that's the thing about a documentary. I mean, you you can't write the ending, right? You just see what happens. Um, very different from uh, most, from film films in general. So that leads me to my next question, which is, um, I know that you've produced a few films, but Lynn Sandy is the first documentary, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think is the biggest difference in producing a documentary versus other types of films? Uh, well, documentaries are much more free in terms of the flow of it. A, a, a narrative film is, some, you know, very, everything is very precise. You, you have a script you work from, you uh, have a set amount of shooting days, you know, you'll typically do something, in, you know, anywhere from two, two weeks to, to six months of shooting. Uh, every day is accounted for every minute. Uh, you have to deal with unions and, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. unless you're in union film, but there's just, there's so many moving parts and, you know, you, there's obviously there's actors involved right. and departments, your art, your department, you have your, your electric department. You have, you have so many things. And, and a documentary is literally just your director, uh, you know, and cameraman. And sometimes that could be the same person as mm -hmm. it was in our case. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have your subject matter and then you have a, you know, a, a few producers who, who, who have to obviously, open doors and, and set up interviews and, and find strategic partners and do, do all the other stuff that needs to happen to make the film go. But it's a lot more, you know, you, you just pick a day. You're like, can we shoot today? Yeah, let's go do it. There's no, no schedule. You'll literally spur of the moment, pick something up. Like there was some stuff with Jeremy, which it was just spur of the moment. Hey, Jeremy, can we go come to your place right now and do an interview? Cause <laughs> this just happened and we want to get your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, come on over. So, or, or sometimes like, really, do you, you want me to come, you want to come over right now? I want to punch you because there was some like moments in the film where he was not very happy that we wanted to get him on, on film. Uh, but sure. he did it. 
you know, so that's that's a very different process just in terms of shooting, uh, you know, a documentary versus versus uh, narrative. But, you know, then at the end of the day, though, there are similarities. And so, yeah. you know, it's you still have to you edit, you, you color correct, you have to score, you, you, you know, mm-hmm. find songs, you have to go to festivals, you have to find distributors, you have to market the film. So that's very similar in nature. I think mm-hmm. it's just the production side of it mm-hmm. is what's really different. You know, you're talking about two completely different animals. Yeah, yeah. So what's the plan for the film now? What's the next step? We opened, uh, you know, in the U.S. on October 4th a few weeks ago, and, and we're still we're still trucking. Um, we're <laughs> hanging there, and, uh, you know, particularly the Bay Area, San, uh, Los Angeles, and New York have been strong markets for us, and we're getting new new theaters from around the way in different cities picking us up, you know, every week. So this weekend we're opening in um, Arlington, Virginia, Berkeley, California. We're poised to open up next week in Philadelphia, and uh, perhaps uh, a suburb of Chicago. And so there's there's all these different cities in different pockets of places that are still still picking it up, even though we opened you know, nationally, uh, about a month ago now. And so, so then, you know, on the foreign side, I, I mentioned we'd already opened in Taiwan It's still running out there. We had a theatrical release in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're going to be seeing some sort of distribution in the other parts of greater China, Hong Kong, China, mainland. And then we're, we're talking to other places in different parts of the world. You know, we've got a couple film festivals coming up in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, over in Toronto so our northern neighbors are really interested. So, so it still actually, you know, continues to, to find new audiences because not everyone has been able to see it. But you know, we're gonna keep going with that as far and wide as we can. And then I think down the road, the next platform would obviously be uh, some sort of digital distribution or or uh, you know a DVD ultimately. So they always say a film is about five years of your life and I, I can actually see that really clearly now why wow. it's, so yeah so even though our again our, our initial launch is is done and come and gone there's still a lot of busy work to be done and uh we're just grinding we're grinding I, i'm ready i'm getting ready to take off tonight in yeah. fact, for um boston uh to do a film festival there and then uh, over to Toronto, and then back to New York, and then uh, eventually, yeah, you know, Philadelphia. So there's a bunch of places still coming up, and uh, we're we're still in the thick of it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, amazing. It has yeah. it sounds like it has a lot of legs. Um, great. So, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about Linsanity the movie? I would just wind up by saying that, you know, I think it's it's really great that uh, a lot of the, the community has been coming out and forced to watch and support the movie. We found that there's actually a lot more people who haven't. And, you know, for whatever reason that may be, they just may not have the time. They may not have the ability in the sense that they don't live in New York, SF, L.A., or, you know, somewhere where the movie was. Or it's just that they still don't know about it, which we found, or that they just don't, they're just not going for whatever reason. They, they're sitting at home and they'd rather, you know, watch something on TV or go do something else instead of spending time at the theater. And so that's all, you know, everyone lives their own life and, and we can't, we can't force anyone to do anything. 
But our, what our hope is that the people who have seen it, the people who are supportive of the fact that this project exists will continue to share and encourage people to go. And if you haven't gone to, to think about it and say, you know what, maybe I should go or bring my family or my church or my, my, my students or whatever it is, you know, groups that you're a part of. Because for us, it's, it's such a rare opportunity that we get a story about an Asian American hero, uh, a leading man, if you will, to get on the big screen. It, it just doesn't happen. It happens maybe once a decade, once every 15, 20 years in Hollywood. And so we're always saying that we, we want people to help us to help them. Help, help me help you. So in other words, um, I think you know, again, for, for the mainstream, uh, from a mainstream perspective, Asian Americans have always been marginalized, stereotyped, even in the corporate setting. You, you, talk, you hear these words, glass ceiling, bamboo ceiling. Right. You know, Jeremy's story could not have exemplified any of those things any better, even though it was in the world of basketball, mm-hmm. in a very specific kind mm-hmm. of setting, it still had a lot of racial, you know, implications and, and, and things that we, we go through every day, whether we're corporate, students, dating, and any aspect mm-hmm. of life, I feel like most apply the laws of what insanity was about into the, the that story. So so we hope that by supporting the film, by going out and watching it, and really, you know, again, you're what you do when you buy a ticket and you help fill the box office. And so we hope like one begets 10 begets 20 begets 30 we love people who come in groups is you're voting to that you want to see more stories about asian americans that our stories are relevant and can cross over into the mainstream and are commercial and so they don't care who's buying tickets you know the, the bean counters the box right, office right. people the executives so if our own community comes out in force and makes a real dent in the box office and a statement, then they can they can't do anything but take notice and think, okay, these stories can sell, so therefore maybe we can do more stories with Asian subject matter in them and, and make them marketable. So, you know, all of that it's a process and and so when we we always see these portrayals of people on television or movies about you know, being immigrants or sexless or, you know, just one-dimensional characters for, uh, who just are always, you know, you, we see them all the time, a dime a dozen, and we complain about it. Well, we're trying to do something about it, and, and we really want, as filmmakers, and so we really want, we're, our hope is the community can come together because you don't make a movie to just, you know, watch it by yourself. We don't do it for, to exist in a vacuum. Our hope is that it's a two-way relationship you guys have thoughts and you want to speak up, you have a voice, we're trying to use the power of media to harness that and, and present a, a, you know, a positive story. And, and again, if, if, it, if it succeeds and makes an impact, then it's going to, people are going to take notice. They're going to continue to, our story, our collective story will you know, move that needle in the right direction in terms of like where we stand in society. And so, you know, I, I I probably said more than enough now, and, and, and that was that was a very long wrap up thought. But, <laughs> but that's that's tell the audience yeah. of leadership uh, that that please, if you haven't watched it, don't think of it as just a basketball story or just the fact that it's like oh, it's Jeremy Lin and I should go see the cool replays of everything he did. 
Um, but it's really there's really a greater cause, a social aspect to this whole thing, you know, in terms of like from a from a filmmaking standpoint and, and what that can mean to our community at large. Right, absolutely. That was really well said. I've seen the film myself, and I really did get a sense of that. Um, there is a sense that this is a platform, and it's a bigger picture, and it's about the visibility of Asian Americans. Um, so that's a really important aspect of the, the message of the film. So um, I wanted to thank you very much um, for being on the podcast, and anyone who would like to know more about the movie, you can visit their website, which is linsanitythemovie.com. Thanks for being on the podcast, Brian. Thank you, Felicia. Appreciate it. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.